Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bunts, Sarah Bunts. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. What better topic for episode 107 than to rank some Bond themes? I'm Sarah D. Bunting, and I am here, as always, with the inimitable Mark Blankenship. Hi, Mark. Hello, money penny. <laughs> I uh, did not know that that was coming. I actually <laughs> thought maybe uh, the little-known villain Ruxpin was going to make what? What you mean, little-known? <laughs> I've been chasing after that bloke for forty-five years. That nasty <laughs> piece of work. And one day I'll stick my furry foot up his hole. That's what I'll do. <laughs> Oh, it's already gone totally off the rails, and it's a minute into the episode. Good night, uh, everyone. Fuck the FCC, I say. <laughs> um, Mark Andor, um, extremely well-known and beloved villain, Ruxpin. Uh, would you like to tell the listeners why we are doing this today? Yes. And how it came about? So, a few weeks ago, our listener, Chrissy L., suggested that we talk about Bond themes. And Sarah and I both just thought, well, yes. That's a great idea. And then we uh, then we decided, well, we should rank the Bond themes that have reached the top 10 on the Hot 100 in America. And then we realized, oh, we should do that for episode 107 because, obviously, and as luck would have it, there are seven Bond themes that have reached the top 10 in America. So, like, you tell me how it gets better because I don't I don't I honestly don't know how. Yeah, Chrissy, go play a lottery ticket. That's my advice. Thank you, Chrissy. Uh, so but before we get down to the business of ranking those songs, I do, Sarah, have a joyous bit of old business that I would like to share with the listeners. Uh, on the episode that you just heard, if you're listening in order, episode 106, we talked about Tina Turner's We Don't Need Another Hero and Typical Male. Typical Male, of course, is a song where she sings to a lawyer. And we said at the end of the episode, if you are a lawyer... Please write back and let us know if you think this song is romantic. And one of our <laughs> listeners, who is a lawyer, did write back. So now I would just like to read a bit of what John L. had to say when he wrote us. Okay. He says, I happen to be a lawyer, and I have always loved that song because it is so, so batshit. If this typical male is in New York and representing Ms. Turner in a domestic relations matter... I would urge him not to loosen up his suit and tie until she is no longer his client because the Nor the New York Rules of Professional Conduct Manual forbids that sort of thing. The, quote, your defense won't help my case line implies that this is instead a criminal matter, but it's still a bad idea. I guess back <laughs> in 1986, attitudes were different. And, I mean... John, you've really brought some truth to light. Attitudes were different. And I just want to thank you for citing relevant case law, as it were, to just make us know, you know what? If you're representing Ms. Turner in criminal or domestic matters, keep that suit on until you've heard that final thwack of the judge's gavel, if you know what I mean. Uh, and we are not in a spat Oh, no, we're not. In fact, tell, <laughs> tell me, lawyer. 
how we can say thanks. All I want is an email from listeners. Anyway, so, Sarah, <laughs> that said, now is, let's get down to the business of ranking. How, how is this going to work today? Uh, speaking of operating outside the law, yes, back to 007. Uh, this is going to work pretty much uh, the way our ranking episodes always work. If you're new to the podcast, this is how it goes. Uh, we rank the songs in question and assign them a points value. Uh, based on how well we like them relative to the other songs. So, for example, uh, if I ranked the famous original Bond theme, which we are not including because it did not chart, uh, if I ranked that number one, uh, that would get seven points. Uh, My number two song would get six points and so on down to the last one. Uh, We each assign these point values, Mark and I, and we will be joined by the Patreon supporters. Yes? Yes, we will. Um, in ranking these and then we add all the scores together and we see who um, brings justice to uh, Cold War world and who is left face down dead on the tarmac. Um, that was a terrible comparison, but you know what I mean. It had to be done. And all let me just say too, we are so grateful to the many impassioned Patreon patrons who participated in this particular ranking. Uh, we would love to have you join their ranks. So if you would like to become a patron of this podcast and be able to vote in our ranking episodes, as well as get access to our special members-only monthly episodes, you can join us at patreon.com slash mastus. And uh, Sarah, I think without much further ado, it's probably time to start hearing some clips. I completely agree. Uh, we will begin. We will be beginning with uh, Shirley Bassey's Goldfinger. <laughs> that actually, those vowels were a little too subtle. Uh, I <laughs> so thank you for your restraint. <laughs> yeah. Um. Look, th- this is always going to chart pretty well amongst uh, punsters like myself who um, are married and touch their spouses in the wintertime with hands that are cold in places where cold hands are not welcome. Sure. And then sing cold finger. Of course, we've all done it. Uh, But But not as well as Shirley Bassey. Who's to say? Let's hear a clip and then we can talk about this uh, first ranking single and how it ranks for us. He's the man, the man with a Midas touch. A cold finger beckons you. Sarah, thank you very much for including the phrase cold finger in the clip that you pulled as well. Just reminding us at home how to play. Uh, Also, it's worth noting that this is one of three of the Bond hits that peaked at number eight. There has never been one that peaked at number seven, but three have peaked at number eight. And this is Shirley Bassey's only American top 10 hit. She had been a massive star in Britain since the 50s, uh, when in the mid-60s she had her first major crossover smash with this tune. Um, And Sarah, I will start by saying this. I think it is worthy of note and respect that Shirley Bassey's song laid a template for a sound that has been connected to this film franchise for decades now and at the time goldfinger was very much part of the ballad side of the british invasion Uh, the british invasion obviously includes the jangly bouncy pop that you 
associate with the Beatles and what have you. But the women of the British invasion made their name often with very lush orchestral ballads. Uh, Dusty Springfield's You Don't Have to Say You Love Me comes immediately to mind. Several of the hits of Petula Clark. And of course, Goldfinger is very much in that vein. And now, however, it would be unthinkable to hear songs like that from contemporary artists were it not for the persuasive ongoing power of this song and its film franchise. Like, the Bond themes are in a way always judged in comparison to this one there's always the sense of oh this song is a return to form or this song is a this is a bold step away from what we're used to hearing but the point is this is the this is the or text that all other bond themes are compared to and i just don't think that there are that many songs in the canon that demand that kind of constant reference so if for no other reason i do respect the historical importance of goldfinger that was my intro thought, Sarah. Okay. Um, I appreciate your uh, signaled respect. Um, this is unpleasant to listen to, and I won't be doing it again. Oh. Uh, I appreciate her, like, warnings about the plot. And this is just in the clip we heard and in some other uh, lyrics, like, you know, talking about his web of sin, but don't go in. Like the ways that uh, singers of the Bond themes choose to approach James Bond as an object of the song is fascinating. Um, And this one, this is a sort of extremely contemporary take, like a very modern take on a very like retro idea of masculinity. Um, And also that, you know, she's singing about the villain, which is a little unusual. Uh, But she could also be singing about Bond. The vocalizations are just not pleasant for me. It's like low rent Sarah Vaughn. Um, It's too shrill. It's it's not enjoyable. It's like a campy listen once I'm all set. This was my very last song on the list at number seven, and I gave it one point. I absolutely respect what you're saying about it setting the template, and I do think it's important. I understand why it was popular. It is not for me. Uh, I will also note that I like made, made sure to scribble down who was the Bond, and this is the only Connery Bond theme that, that we have. That is wild. It is it's wild to think about, because obviously because he is the Orbond. lot. Yeah, but it's like... It's mostly Roger Moore. It's yeah. amazing. Because yeah. anyway, well because as we go through this we'll see there are there's a, there's a at least one hit from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 2000s and 2010s. Please spare a thought for Garbage, Sheryl Crow and Tina Turner whose 90s Bond themes did not scale the charts although they're all pretty good. Uh, but there really is a wide swath of representation. It's just interesting to think about the fact that this is the only one from the 60s. Well, yeah. Um, I, longtime listeners, and you, Sarah, longtime friend of mine, may not be surprised to learn that I kind of dig the ridiculous vocal on this song. It's just sort of in my wheelhouse of over-dramatic, over-emphasized, over-articulated, queenly 
fabulousness. Um, I love the big high note at the end. And I read when I was doing research for this episode that she pushed herself to sing that note so many times that she almost passed out in the studio. And I don't care if that's true or not. I want it to be true because I come alive at the thought of a lady just giving it all to you. Um, I think that this song, it is so impossible to hear it as a song. It's so campy. Like, like you don't have to say you love me. The song I was mentioning earlier, it is very, very over the top, but it's still like, it's not about a mega villain in a spy movie. So you can sort of divorce it from its context a little bit and just appreciate it that way. This is so only going to ever be a song about a guy who like paints women gold. And it's just, I'm just, I will say I'm not always in the mood for that. I'm not always in the mood for this kind of melodrama, but sometimes I really am in the mood. And that's why for me, Miss Shirley Bassey lands in third place and gets five points. Huh. And that's also where the listeners put her in third place with five points. So as ever, Sarah, the <laughs> when we get together to rank, we, I'm always just like, well, we're about to about to rumble on some shit, I suppose. <laughs> I really did not think we were going to be rumbling on this, but I don't know. It's just like this is to me the drag queeniest of the of the seven. And, uh, you know, I'm always here for that. Yeah, I, I mean, you're not you're not wrong. I just like it hurts my ears. I don't like it. So and here's the thing. You're not wrong either. It's just like I feel like this is really just like mint and chocolate. It's like you can totally see the the other party's uh, opinion. But if you either are or are not a mint and chocolate person and it's like, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I'm the other way. Well, at least we right-thinking people, you and I, oh! agree that they belong together. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Except I actually don't like mint and chocolate. <laughs> you don't? No, I'm sorry oh to God. have to tell Podcast you in this over. way. I'm sorry to have to tell you in this way. I also really like raisins. <laughs> Bye. Oh, my, <laughs> you and Andrew both hate raisins so much. And it is the it's it's a Andrew and I have really had to work through a lot in our marriage to get over that hump because I'm like I'd like an oatmeal raisin cookie and he's like I'd rather be stabbed in the eye with a hairpin <laughs> with a hairpin it's very specific yes all right um, speaking of getting stabbed in things um, it's time to move on to our next theme which is live and let die by I. Is it Wings or it is, is it just Paul it McCartney? It is credited as Paul McCartney and Wings. Yeah, there's, I mean, I can never sort of keep that timeline straight as to when it was like Wings and it was like Wings plus sign McCartney comma Paul. Like, just pick a fucking name. <laughs> I also, please? I'm fairly certain he didn't know either. Yeah, exa- that's fine. The 70s were a, were a weird time. Um, This one is our first of most of our themes, which are Roger Moore joints. And let us hear a clip. Say live and let die Okay, so um, this, I clipped that particular snippet because this is pretty classic um, 70s Macca slash Wings that it has like movements, like Band on the Run is like that. Like there's two or three distinct parts of the song. Um, 
that I thought this theme was from was later was from a later Bond film. It's from 1974. Mm. Uh, this is absolutely like classic Wings, and Wings are like Wings is, I guess you should say, like the the raisin of like 70s rock and roll. Like if you like them, you like them, and if you hate them, you hate them. I was raised with the band on the run album. I love it. Uh, it may not be good, but I love it. And I also love this song. Like it's, it's pretty derivative of his other work and pretty like on the nose in terms of reflecting the content that it's trying to reflect. But I ranked it pretty high. This was my number three. So that's five points. Great. Uh, and just some fun facts. This song peaked at number two. And it was the first Bond theme to be nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Song. What actually won this year? Do you remember? Ooh, girl, I knew this, as right? I was. I knew as I was saying it that you might ask me that. And I, um, okay, I'm going to vamp for a second. If you would like to just say a little bit more about Band on the Run, or why don't uh, you say uh, a little more about what you want to say, and then I'm going to look that up. Oh, that's okay. That's fair. Yes, we we both have access to the internet after all. So, listeners, you may also notice that this is now episode 107, and now, for the first time, I believe, a beetle is being discussed on our show. <laughs> and I know that though we have gotten, I feel like I have gotten so many just private messages, tweets, like, Mark, why do you hate the Beatles? And I just want to say again, I do not hate the Beatles. I just can take or leave them. They have never really stirred anything in me, and it is the assumption that I have heard from birth that I love them simply because they are to be loved that I hate. So it's a complex, but all that said, uh, as we'll be discussing in a future single on for patrons only, uh, there was a recent thing that James Corden and Paul McCartney did of the James Corden's carpool karaoke series with Paul McCartney in it that I found quite lovely and moving. So, you know, I'm not like opposed. And the truth is I'm also not opposed to live and let die. I think it is a fun song. I think it's actually pretty interesting that the music in the middle is sort of weird. Like it's slows the groove down and what is it matter to you? I, that, that dynamism is very interesting. I also think that this is one of the better uses of the film title in a Bond theme. I think like a yes. pretty clever. <clears throat> it's a pl- it's a pretty clever way to incorporate the sense of what "Live and Let Die" might actually mean, because so many of the the whole thing with these movies is that they're named ridiculous things. But he finds a good way of making it sensible. And uh, I can't be mad at a song that has just like a nice rock beat and a nice chorus and pretty melody and also was covered quite well by guns and roses i might add oh yeah that's true that's actually how i first became aware of this song was because of the guns and roses live cover the video was on mtv constantly in the early 90s and then when i found out later it was a paul mccartney song i was like oh cool so yeah i'm so for me i put this song in fourth place and that means it gets four points from me and the listeners overwhelmingly put it in first, uh, w- like significantly put it in first place. So that's uh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know that I would have predicted that up front, but they really loved this song. I think it was um, the the finals tally. The second it, it beat the second place song by three votes, and uh, 
The top three songs, which also include Goldfinger, as you know, they were so significantly ahead of everything else that it was really striking. Like to get on the the, the three songs that got on the podium podium for this one really got on the podium. Um, this did not get on the podium at the Oscars because memories lit, lit the corners of our minds. Wait, and, is that Barbara uh, theme from Evergreen? Uh, or Evergreen? We were. Oh, the way we were. Yes. You know, it's hard. To, you can't fault Barbara Streisand's Oscar for that song, though. I feel. Yeah. And the way it was sung by another multi-Oscar winner, Tom Hanks, in Big. Um, oh, yeah. Is to, anytime you have to refer to pictures in my house, pictures. <laughs> oh, I love it. But we are, we are getting off topic, um, I guess, because, you know, you know what? you could argue nobody does it better than Tom Hanks, but... Nobody gets off topic <laughs> better than us. Is- <laughs> that's God knows that's right. Okay. Um, are you ready to move on to the third song chronologically? Oh, yes, I am. And this is Carly Simon's Nobody Does It Better, the theme from the film The Spy Who Loved Me. Let's hear a clip. Nobody does it half as good as you. Mm. So, uh, yeah, this song great. peaked at number two for Ms. Carly Simon, and the preparation for this episode sent me down this long and winding path with her music where I realized I know so many more Carly Simon songs than I thought I did because they've just always been on. Like anytime yeah. you've gone to the bank, anytime you have gone to the drugstore, she's just always been there. And I didn't realize how many of her songs I knew, but I was delighted to hear this song and to hear those songs and... This song also nominated for an Oscar. Uh, it lost to You Light Up My Life, which I think was incorrect in that. Same. Like, y'all got that wrong. <clears throat> yes, you did. But I don't, Sarah, I love this song. I think it is uh, really, it's just like a perfect little ballad. It Carly Simon's vocal is the perfect mixture of plaintive and powerful uh, uh-huh. that the, the the melodic thing of baby you're the best it's just very satisfying and I also love the fact that what she's she's basically saying nobody gives me that big sweet D like you but she finds I, this my notes literally say this is a love song to Bond's D and I don't hate it no and I don't I just think it's like a really clever way I mean she didn't write the song uh, unlike many of her songs this was written by Marvin Hamlish and Carol Bayer Sager. But you know what, y'all? Good for you for giving us such a sweet and tender ode to the good, good D. The only reason that I'm giving this a a ding, a slight point off, I do feel that the incorporation of the phrase, the spy who loved me into this song is really awkward. It's It's the only flaw in this other perfect gem of a song. So that's why I've got it in second place with six points. Um, that, that is legit. It's so bad that it almost sounds like they dropped it in there, like ADR. Like yeah. it's, it's very obvious. Um, I don't give a shit. It's a fun song. It's great to sing along to. It shows off her range. I love that. It's like, it's both a love letter to D and a like dear John letter to D. Like there's really a lot of like all the seasons of love with D are represented in the song. And I 
felt pretty sure like, uh, that this was going to start out as my number one, but then like drop down and it didn't drop down. It's my number one, seven points. Nice. And uh, for me, this is one that when I started this, I was like, oh yeah, that'll be like in the middle to the bottom for me because I hadn't heard it in a really long time or had maybe never really quite paid attention to it. And then when I started to listen to it, I realized, oh, oh shit, no, this song is great. So she bounced right up those rankings and the listeners loved her too. Uh, They also put this song in second place. One of those, uh, so now we know all three of the songs on the listeners podium and uh, they put it in second place, which gives it six points. So a very, very strong showing from Carly Simon and her number two hit. Well done, girl. Yeah. And uh, next we have the (laughs) second ever chart hit for Scotland's own Sheena Easton, who we also have never talked about before, but who it turns out I have a lot of thoughts about. Uh, Before we get into those, though, here is her number four single, For Your Eyes Only. Let's listen to a clip. What is your relationship to Sheena Easton in general and to this song in particular? All right. In general, this is where I think uh, my being five years older than you sort of um, might make a difference because this shit brings me straight back to like third and fourth grade. Um, like going to every town had one of those t-shirt stores where you picked out a t-shirt and you picked out an iron on transfer and they had the big steam press and that's what you bought other kids for their birthday. Sure. Um, and like letterings and stuff like that. Uh, and so that brings me back to being in those places, which had a particular smell, like the iron on transfer paper has a particular smell when it's being cooked basically. Um, and then like going to the Florin Park roller rink for the party and Sheena Easton would be on in the whatever t-shirt ha ha hut and it would be on in the car and <laughs> it would be on at the roller rink. She was impossible to skate to. Um, it is a flawless time capsule of a certain period like 1982. I want to say that it's very 82. Uh, yeah, you're basically right. I mean, it was 81 into 82 when Morning Train, Modern Girl, and this were all everywhere. I find the only you pronunciation, I understand that she's Scottish. I, f- I have always found it extremely annoying, and nothing in the intervening 36 years has changed my feeling about that. Um, this is an extremely of-its-time uh, torch song about basically being reluctant to get undressed in front of anyone except James Bond, which, okay, we get it. Um, I was excited to revisit this song and then kept it 
this was like the opposite of the Carly Simon song. It just kept dropping down despite a video which Mark shared with me that brought me so much joy oh my God. Her performing this at the Oscars and these like fake lasers and people like she's like in this little dance video that they're basically making and there's all these people like somersaulting and like a, a car is quote blowing up unquote and there oh, are people so dressed awful. like other Bond villains throughout the years. Like, there's the guy who has the cat, but it's so clearly in this one, like, a fake cat. Oh, no. They do a close-up on it. It's obviously a stuffed animal. Blofeld, I think, is yes. that guy. And, and it's just like, dude, I mean, it's I mean, it's glorious, but it's also, it's also gr- very grim and sad. And the laser um, effects, when they shoot the lasers, are so clearly added onto the screen and cannot be seen in the auditorium. Yeah. I just, and you're just like, what were they even responding to in the theater? Oh, that's right. Literally everybody was taking cocaine. It like, was openly. It is. I feel like seeing that video was such a clear indication of what we've lost at the Academy Awards because that shit is so tasteless and so insane. And that whole <laughs> brouhaha a few years later about the Snow White Rob Lowe fiasco, I think permanently killed the Oscars ability to just not give a rusty fuck about you and just <laughs> blow up a car on stage and a fake cat. Sheena Easton is like, she's up, she's down. What level of the stage is she on? I don't know. There At one point, I think there might be seven Sheena Eastons running around. And then she's trying to move up four levels in this weird, like, Qbert-looking stage, but her... Yes. She's wearing one of those like Donna Martin mermaid situations that probably weighs 70 pounds because all the sequins, she could barely move. And one of these Bond dancers has to basically like awkwardly carry her up the stairs like she's a fucking pallet of firewood. It's so awkward. I I mean, I loved it. The song, she's a strange case because she was everywhere for like a year and a half. And then she was gone, at least here in the States. So like... Uh, bless her heart i feel like she has a nice voice but it's not necessarily suited to this genre and she should try to do something else like choral singing or something anyway this uh this was not um a favorite of mine number six two points okay so yeah sheena easton uh, I became aware of her. So she had eight top 10 hits, if you can believe it, in the United States. Oh, no, I can. So <laughs> I they adored them all. And they were all clustered, except for one, they were all clustered between 81 and like 85. And it was We've Got Tonight with Kenny Rogers was one. Uh, Sugar Walls, which was one of the songs that, oh, that Tipper God. Gore specifically lambasted, written for her by Prince. I mean, it was very obviously about her veg. Yes, like, and even... it was it's the only and it, I'll tell you what, Sheena Easton I think you're right is not necessarily the most convincing sort of epic balladeer. She's even less convincing as a horny sex pot <laughs> sugar wallsier. Sugar wallsian? But Dennis Sugar Wudlian? Sugar Wudlian. <laughs> Hello. Oh, what do you mean Sugar Wudlian? That oh, was the name of me God. first that was the name of me first bird. Um <laughs> then she came back in the in the late 80s she and prince had uh <laughs> uh, it's fine i'll be fine oh, in the bird. late 80s she and prince had that song um you got the look and then she had a, her last big hit with uh the lover in me talk about the lover in me point being i've always been very interested in her because she was one of the first 
artists in popular music uh, to be discovered on a talent show. There was this show in England where every week they would put someone, an amateur, into a professional situation that they wanted to be in. They did a chef. They did a ballroom dancer, I think. And they did Sheena Easton as the episode where it was a singer. And she became a huge star because of that. So all of this is still me dancing around the fact that I love this song. <laughs> I don't know why it took me so long to get here. Oh, um, but one more fun fact. I can't help myself. It was nominated for an Oscar. That's why it was performed on the Oscars. But it understandably lost to Arthur's theme. If you get caught between the moon and New York City. Like, come on. That's an amazing song. Yeah, it sure is. But here's the thing, Sarah. I listened to this song and it became the song over the last week and a half that came back to me the most. I couldn't stop. I love it. I actually totally agree with you about the weird pronunciation of yeah, it doesn't matter. There's something about the earnestness, the the faux elegance of it. It's just such a fake yet wonderful song. Everything about this song is like the New York, New York casino in Vegas where they have constructed New York City in a in a simulacrum of what you expect it to be. Like this is a song that sounds like it has feelings, that sounds like it's emotional, but it isn't. And yet for whatever reason, I love it so much. I just love the artifice of it. I love the fact that the beat that there's this like subtle beat that drops in over the chorus. I don't know. Sarah, first place. I put it in first place. I gave it seven points. Wow. I never would have predicted it. But here we are. I love it. I mean I didn't think that you would hate this song, but I did not see this coming in at your number one. I know. Very interesting. Well, you We're know. We're really, I thought we'd be much more closely aligned on these, and we are not. We are not. And it is hilarious. I am loving this. I mean, I just have to say, it really, when you were putting it way down there, I was like, yep. I, that sounds about right for us. Like this is how these <laughs> ranking episodes always go. And I want to tell you something. When you laid, when I laid these songs out in front of myself, I never predicted that Sheena Easton's syrupy for your eyes only would become the one that was closest to my heart. And yet here we are. Yeah, uh, the, with a view to a kill. The well, <laughs> let me add though that the listeners uh, do. They have eyes oh, for yeah. others. This is one of two songs on the list that got no votes. Oh! <laughs> I love you enough for everyone, Sheena. Oh. So by default, it is tied for seventh place and gets one point. But really, oh, it didn't honey. really get any support at all. <laughs> awful. Okay. Well, um, I think we just view to a killed its chances to uh, make the podium, <laughs> but you never know. It's true. Uh, the next song is View to a Kill from View to a Kill. It's Duran Duran. This is uh, the last in our Roger Moore selections. Um, this Bond movie, I haven't seen them all. But I've seen enough of them, and this one has the, in my opinion, best opening chase. Like, you know how there's that, like, Mm. signature opening sequence where, like, he's, whatever, driving the, you know, driving a motorcycle through an ice hotel or whatever it is. (laughs) That was a Brosnan one. Right. In this one, Roger Moore is driving only the front half of a uh, 1979 Chevrolet Malibu through the streets of London and into the Thames. Um, It's fucking great. Here's a clip. A sacred wine, a mystery caping inside. We can until we dance into the fire. That fatal kiss. 
I would like to observe first that, yes, it's not just you. This melody line is very reminiscent of the song from the climactic dance sequence in the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, Staying Alive. (laughs) Maybe it's just the lyrics that make me think of that. Um, This one, to me, is greater than the sum of its parts. Like, this vocal can be a little strained. The lyrics are a little obvious. But I find Duran Duran perfectly suited to this job like for the for a mid-80s bond movie who else but duran duran who were like very sexy very british very in love with excess and the excess of glamour Uh uh-huh um and i just like i really i really like it i think it does exactly what a bond theme is supposed to do uh I think that it's sufficiently rare, at least it's rare on this list, that you have dudes singing about, you know, doing the theme and singing about Bond or his villains or whoever. Like, these are the only guys on the list, yeah? Other than Paul McCartney. Oh, right, Paul McCartney. But it's like, and this is also very rarefied company. Like, I remember when it was announced that they were doing the Bond theme thinking, wow, Duran Duran is like for real now. Like now they're in the, like now they're in the um, academy basically. Right. Like that's that's a tenure track position is to get the Bond theme. Um, I really, really like this tr- one. Really well said and very true. Uh, I really like this one. I really, uh, but I will absolutely understand if people are like, eh, because it's uh, like I kept listening to it all week. It was my Sheena Easton <laughs> of the week, <laughs> uh, so I had it at number two with six points. Well, this is one of the things where I am happy to say that I actually, and this is very rare for our ranking episodes, I like every song that we're talking about today. I, I made an, a playlist of all of them, and then I also threw in uh, AHA's um, uh, The Living Daylights, and uh, I threw in Shirley Bassey's Diamonds Are Forever, and I threw in Garbage's The World Is Not Enough, and I threw in um, Cheryl Crow's uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, and I like all of those songs, and so I'm not mad at any of them. And this was, for me, a situation where I just had to go with some sort of mystical reason to put things in particular orders. And (laughs) the the Uh reason – this song is my last place song, although I really like it. So there's – but the reason I put it in last is only because it is the one that, when it starts, I have the least amount of excitement about hearing it again. Whereas okay. if you play, if I hear the opening strains of Rio, I would be like, fuck, everything stop. We must listen to Rio. So I was not only judging it in comparison to Bond songs, but to other Duran Duran songs. And I was like, this is a really good song that I would never leave off of a Duran Duran greatest hits album or whatever. And that's interesting because their their opening is extremely reminiscent of uh, like the original, like the overall Bond series theme. Mm-hmm. Fair. No, anyway. Anyway, yeah. so I just feel like this is a great song. There's just something about it that's a little less sticky for me. Uh, gotcha. It's worth pointing out, though, that this song is also, in America, the only Bond theme to reach number one on the chart. All right. So from a chart perspective, this is actually the biggest hit. And uh, <laughs> However. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think that that speaks to uh, the fact that Duran Duran 
they had a number one single with a song that also brought them into the academy like they were a real force to be reckoned with and i'm glad that history seems to have um reevaluated their role and we're going to be talking uh in yeah a future, i was gonna say we're going to be talking in a future episode about an Al- a duran duran album that maybe people still don't like but whatever i'm at really in the tank for this band and i love at the end of this video when he says bon simon le bon like oh my god pregnant um sarah's pregnant <laughs> and uh it also yeah, andrew too he said that he had many an impure thought about simon le bon during these days oh man same well the listeners were in between us sarah and they put view to a kill in fourth place which means it gets four points from them okay well, all right so this our next song um Finally, we get to talk about another Madonna song. I know. Honestly, I feel like she's gotten such short shrift from us. I know. It's it's really a pity. Um, I know that this was causing you some real conflict in terms of where to rank it. Um, I'm not convinced that you have even decided, should <laughs> should we rank it first and then play the clip so that you're not upset again? Or should we play the clip? No, I've, I finally settled on where I want to put Madonna's Die Another Day. And I have I have worked out my reasoning. Um, yes, so Madonna was the first person to have a top 10 hit with a Bond theme since A View to a Kill. I mean, obviously we're doing this in chronological order. You think about it, that's like uh, 20 something, almost 20 years between between Bond hits. Uh, and actually, no, it's actually it was more than 20 years. It was over 20 years between well, top because... 10 Bond themes. Yeah, this is a Brosnan Bond joint. Um, what's his name? Pierce. No, I know Pierce Brosnan. Uh, who was the Bond before him? Dalton. Yes. Poor Dalton. He has a great sense of humor about that. I've always, I've always found it sort of like heartening that he's like, yeah, we tried to make him like an environmental pinko, and it just didn't work out. I don't know. <laughs> and then he'll like be he parodies it and himself all the time. And I think that's pretty amazing. Anyway, thumbs up on Timothy Dalton, but his bonds were boring. Yes. Well, here, so here is Madonna's number eight hit, Die Another Day. Sigmund Freud. Analyze this. Oh, Madge, no. Um, I had no memory of this song. I will say this. Um, she looks her prettiest, I think, in this video. Oh. Uh, I love that short, wavy bob on her. Agreed. This video is fucking intense. It's amazing. I watched it like three times. But I don't love the song. Because I just wanted to, like at one point I had the video playing and I muted the sound and I played music instead over the video. Oh, the song music. Yes. Still works, P.S. I mean, this video is like really, it's a lot. It's really fun to look at. I think she probably worked on it for like longer than Pierce Brosnan worked on his stunts. (laughs) It's very cool. I just feel like, and like it really fits the brief 
well. Like I, I think that she does a good job marrying the franchise and the time in which this was written and her sound at that time. Like I think she did a good job putting all that stuff together. I don't dislike the song. I just, it's too much like other songs of hers that I like better. Mm -hmm. And this is one that kept dropping because it was like, I think I actually am putting it where I'm putting it because I like the video and not because I like the song. That said, I don't hate it, and it wasn't last, but I did have it in fifth place, so that's only three points from me. Well, that's her. also where I put it. What? what? Um, I, I respect the song for its ambition in that I, the way I interpret it, at least, she is writing a song about the warring halves of her psyche, and she's like, which part of myself am I going to kill off so that I can move forward through my life? I guess, yeah. and then like, it's like, she keeps I feel like she keeps switching narrative voices so that it's like the 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 sort of positive and the destructive forces keep getting to talk and then she, each one of them is like, yeah. "Well, I guess I'll die another day because you ultimately cannot escape yourself." Which is also kind of what's playing out in the video, like it's like Madonna is being held down by these like crazy communists and they're like inside of her mind, but there's also this this room full of statues of the old Bond villains kind of like what was happening to Sheena Easton. I mean, it's really crazy. The reason that I do, I, I do like this song. Again, like I said, I don't hate any of these songs. It is not her greatest song, but I give it points for being the only Bond theme to not be completely straightforward and serious. Their reason that I clipped the Sigmund Freud part is there's like Madonna's signature irony is in this song in a way that none of the other Bond themes have. And the Bond films are full of winking humor, but the Bond themes almost never have any. They're always played super straight. And I think yeah. it's uh, a testament to Madonna that she decided to fuck with the formula a little bit. And it's interesting that you bring up the song Music, because both that song and this song, she wrote and co-produced with this French guy, Milways, And uh, they we're definitely exploring this folk electronic thing that was going on in there. Like you can hear that it's the, the stuff that they were interested in as a collaborative pair in this yeah, song. And totally. so big ups to Madonna for fucking with the system. Uh, but yeah, it's like, if you're going to sit, if you're going to lay a Madonna song in front of me, if you laid 10 Madonna songs in front of me or even three, and this was one of the choices, I would never choose this one first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I just don't, it, it still doesn't stick with me exactly. And it is possible. I think usually she stayed on the right side of the vocal sweetening in terms of like knowing exactly when to stop. Um, and this is like too, they're just fucking with it too much, yeah. which I, I think could probably be taken as a, um, as a like larger comment on the content that the song is, that the song goes with, but I think it's actually just, like, it's just a little too much. A little too much. But I, I again, though, good for Madonna for for swinging for the fences. But yeah, like, if you if you were to, yeah, I, I all, everything you just said. Now, this is the other song that got zero votes from our listeners, so. Yeah, sorry, buddy. It's not like I don't understand it. So, there you go, Madge. Um, well, that brings us to our final and most recent Bond Top 10. The song is Skyfall by Adele. It reached number eight in America. It's the third of these three number eight peaking songs. It is also the first Bond song to actually win 
the Oscar. The second Oscar-winning Bond song is that truly terrible Sam Smith, The Writings on the Wall, which is the most boring piece of shit. Uh, But it didn't make the top ten in this country, so we don't have to talk about it, thank God. Uh, (laughs) But now let's take a moment to hear a clip from Adele's Skyfall. what are your what are your thoughts um i love adele but this is one of those adele songs and i think i've said this about an adele song before um hello um, is the other one that we've talked about yes that um it just never like i'm just waiting for it to start mm-hmm. and it doesn't start um i do like this is a this is a roger craig bond daniel craig um and sorry, Roger Craig, Jesus. Roger <laughs> Craig was a pitcher for the 1962 Mets. <laughs> Not the same. Next time Guy. on Mistakes That Mark Is Incapable of Making. Yeah, he was also a manager of the Giants. Don't at me. Um, so I like I love that the vocal, I think Daniel Craig Bond is a little bit more um, nuanced and less like this cartoon, like, <laughs> dildo with guns kind of person <laughs> that dildo he has, with guns that he has loved and lost and i i like that adele's rendition of this is like um rueful there is also that plaintiveness that we talked about from the in the carly simon song but i just want this to be bigger Mm. faster uh like more fun this is a little too i mean it's a beautiful vocal and i love that sort of like uh like catch that she puts in um in the clip that we heard but i like it just never quite catches fire and it's like I know that you can do this and like when she performed it at the oscars i'm pretty sure that she just like put like strap the boom on and was like sliding up these huge octaves and then just hitting like top decibel levels. And um, I think that's what I want from the song and what I expect from the orchestration. And then it just doesn't quite go, but I still really like the song and I had it right in the middle, fourth place, four points. Very fair. Yeah. And I am, uh, I am right there with you. I, I think that my favorite Adele is a riskier Adele and her weirder songs tend to be my favorites, but I can never be mad at hearing her fantastic singing voice. And this song is very stately. It is definitely a throwback to the template that Shirley Bassey helped create. Uh, I also think it helps in the fact that it is in maybe my favorite Bond movie of the, the like 12 or so that I've seen. Judy Dench is so good in this movie, too. 
I haven't seen this one. Oh, it's great. And I know that I think the last one I saw was um I think it was the one before this. Casino Mi- Royale? Yes. Oh my god, I love that. Mickelson. Le Chiffre. Well, in Skyfall, there's an amazing uh scene where Daniel Craig and Javier Bardem kind of seduce each other. Okay. It's all-, all right. Well, let's wrap this up so that I can go uh, <laughs> watch that. <laughs> and then Judy Dench. I know it's a shocking to say this, but she gives a stellar performance. Turns out she's quite talented. Uh, who is um, who is Q now? Cleese. Um, uh, oh God. John Cleese. Yeah. Uh, no, it's um, Ben Wishaw. Oh yeah. Oh God. Adorable Ben Wishaw. All right, so I really do need to go and watch this movie right now. Yes. So what you got? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> what you, guys, you got? This this has been Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, I put it in sixth place and gave it two points. But again, I huh. like this song too. And uh, the listeners put it in fifth place and gave it three points. Oh man. Um. Well, while you are totting up our uh, first and last place uh, finishers. I'm just going to note, um, in case you need me to fill, <laughs> that do, uh, yes. the, soundtrack, the soundtrack for Tootsie is really like a, it's really a sustainer. Like it just keeps, there keep being songs in it that I'm like, oh yeah, that was in Tootsie. And then I have to go and download them legally, of course. Should I keep talking? Yes. I don't know why my okay. math skills are denying me at this moment i'm telling you it must be, be you all, all of, my, of life. my life i started too low sorry um yeah so that okay was... okay i'm ready okay so in a tie for uh last place with nine points both die another day and skyfall it seems like it's the huh. rare ranking episode where madonna and adele get last for us oh man Okay, so let's hear our top two. Uh, so they were in last, and then number one, uh, number two for us was Live and Let Die. Okay. And then with a substantial lead, number one for us was Nobody Does It Better. Huh. Interesting. And you know what? I feel like I'm not mad about it. I wouldn't have... So your number one was Bassie, right? No, it was uh, Sheena. It was your number... Okay. So your number one and number two... Oh, no, what? You know what? Oh, my God, you guys. I did the math wrong. Die Another Day was actually last all by itself. And then Skyfall was next to last. Okay. And then Nobody Does It Better, which was my number two, your number one, and the listener's number two. That was our overall number one. Okay. And then number two was? uh, Live and Let Die, which was listener's number one. And then we both had it squarely in the middle. So it was the listeners who really pushed die another day up to second place and see listeners you have a direct impact if it hadn't been for you live and let die would not i think i can have... continue to say die another day when i meant live and let die point is listeners McCartney. because of you paul mccartney is a silver <laughs> medalist in this competition and he wouldn't have been otherwise so never say that your vote doesn't count and also never say never again oh shit <laughs> oh and pardon me i've got to go clean out my octopusy <laughs> oh god that's uh for your eyes only mark <laughs> oh, only for you 
Um, listeners, this has not been only for you. Uh, please tell a friend about, uh, about us and consider visiting our Patreon page to vote on this and many other kooky things <laughs> that we like to talk about on this podcast. Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting. And it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.